What's up, everyone? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. We're talking about the NFL draft, and it was a weird one. I mean, really no other way to put it. The weirdest NFL draft in modern history. All kinds of of just wonky, extenuating circumstances for all of these prospects. Not surprising that it played out the way that it did. Obviously, we're going to talk about Warren Jackson signing with the Broncos, his fit in a wide receiver room. Uh, going to talk about some transfer portal news for the men's basketball team. So it's going to be a good one, a lot to go over. Before I get into that, you know, sure, you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now. But Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not just your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but what makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you're always going to feel like a person, not a number. Beyond that, you know, they're proud DNVR members, CSU supporters. You know that you can trust them. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia will make the process as simple and smooth as possible. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you want to give my guy Mike a call directly, that's okay. You can do so at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, 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 cool. All right, let's let's jump right into it and just kind of talk about the NFL draft um, from the Mountain West perspective, which it was obviously a down year for the conference as a whole. Only three players selected in the entire draft. That's pretty shocking. I mean, when you when you think about all of the conferences across college football and and the level of talent, obviously, you know, there's a big disparity. There's a big gap between. SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and even, you know, the Pac-12 of the world, all of those power conferences, they obviously dominate this, but it's not like the Mountain West hasn't produced over the years. You look at the league, I mean, there are plenty of of not just, like, starters or, you know, good players, but, like, great players coming out of the Mountain West. Look at, you know, linebacker Bobby Wagner with Seattle or Devontae Adams, the superstar wide receiver for the Packers. Obviously, our guy Shaq Barrett out of CSU, I mean... The Mountain West is a is a talented league. There are plenty of NFL prospects, but I just think that the weird year really put these guys in a in a crappy position, unfortunately, and it it, it just resulted in in not a lot of guys getting enough exposure. I mean, by the time the Mountain West even started the season, I just think that a lot of these teams they had already you know kind of started to to focus on you know prospects in the SEC, prospects in the Big Twelve, and it's not to say that they were, you know, going to ignore the Mountain West and, and guys out of, you know, like the Pac-12 when they ultimately started playing. But when you're not playing, it, it's just easy to forget, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I think Warren Jackson is a perfect example of that because coming into the fall, he's a guy that had some substantial draft buzz. Now, I'm not saying, you know, people were projecting him to be a first-round pick or, you know, even like a top-90 pick or anything like that. But he had some juice. I mean, he was coming off of a... You know, a 2019 season in which he almost had 80 catches, like 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, did so while playing injured part of the season and having to switch quarterbacks a couple of games in. So 
he was a guy that, that was on the radar of a lot of NFL teams. And I just think, you know, uh, some other wide receivers in the SEC kind of boosted their draft stock this season. And it was just a matter of playing. And whether that's fair or not is obviously up for debate, but it's natural. I mean, you watch a guy and you just get used to him. I think, you know, the Auburn wide receiver that, that the Broncos ultimately took in the, in the sixth round, Seth Williams, is a perfect example of that. Give me Warren Jackson over that guy any day of the week. And I like Seth Williams. I mean, I'm, I'm a Bama guy, so obviously I'm not hyped on any Auburn prospect. But, you know, he can play. He's a little bit of a dog. There's obviously that famous clip where he's John back with the defensive back and then burns him for a touchdown on the next play. You know, he, he's got a little bit of swagger to him. I'm not trying to throw shade or anything like that. But give me Warren Jackson over that dude every day of the week. He's bigger. He's more versatile. I, I, I'm just a big fan of Warren Jackson's game, and I'm going to dive into all of that. Um, but my main point when just kind of talking about the Mountain West here is that we, we can't overreact because it was just such a weird year. The delayed season, the lack of games. I think not having an NFL combine probably hurt a lot of these guys because that's an opportunity for them to compete on the same stage as you know some of these top prospects, and you kind of go tit for tat with them and show you know, anything you can do, I can do better, all that crap. I mean, the Senior Bowl is, is another opportunity, but that's, an, you know, another thing. There, there weren't as many, you know, senior all-star games or just events for these guys to, to get out and, and get the exposure that they need. And when you're already coming from a smaller conference as is, and let's face it, you're not getting the same TV time, you're not getting the same, you know, amount of viewers as these bigger conferences. When you factor in everything else with the pandemic, I just think it was a, a perfect storm and it's it's super unfortunate but it played out that way you know it's it's kind of like csu fans you could throw a temper tantrum and be all pissed off that no rams got drafted for the second year in a row or you could also remember everything that that's been wonky over the last two years and the fact that they played four games in the last 500 and something odd days and just realize it's weird man like there's gonna be a couple of guys that get drafted next year the tide will turn Trey McBride is going to be, I think, potentially even like a second-round pick. Manny Jones is going to get drafted. Scott Patchen is going to get drafted. I think there's a couple of guys on the offensive line that have potential to, to get some NFL looks moving forward. Dante Wright's got NFL potential. There's plenty of people on this roster that are going to have a chance to play at the next level. So let's not let's not freak out. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that Warren didn't get drafted, but I think he's in a good spot, and I'm going to dive into that in just a second. Um, the three players that ultimately were drafted out of the Mountain West, just in case you are not familiar, San Diego State defensive back Darren Hall. He got taken in the fourth round, 108th overall by the Atlanta Falcons. Good value. He's a guy who I liked a lot. Um, San Diego State, they've had like seven or eight DBs drafted in the, in the last five or six years. So not surprising that the trend continues. Um, after that, Boise State tight end John Bates was drafted in the fourth round as well, 124th overall. He went to the Washington football team. You know, Bates is kind of raw as a prospect. Like, I, I like him a little bit. I like him as a blocker. We'll kind of have to see what happens there. Not super flashy, didn't stand out, but Boise State also doesn't target tight ends quite as well as, you know, CSU and some of these other Mountain West prospects, or I mean, uh, Mother Mountain West programs do. But, uh, you know, congrats to him. And then finally, Boise State defensive back Avery Williams, who's probably, aside from Warren Jackson, probably my favorite prospect coming out of the Mountain West this year. 
he also goes to Atlanta in the fifth round, 183rd overall. So the Falcons, the Dirty Birds, showing a little bit of love to the Mountain West. Gotta love that. I just, he's a game breaker, man. Obviously, he torched CSU, and and Ram fans are going to be ecstatic that they don't have to watch this dude anymore kill him on special teams, but he's just so freaky athletic that he can just completely break open a game. I mean, when you have the ability to take any punt return to the house or any kickoff to the house or block a punt and scoop it and score, you know, I'm not sure how much he'll actually be a factor in coverage, but he's just one of those special teams guys that's so, so special and so rare. He's worth the draft pick. And so I was happy to see him get taken. Um, there, there were a lot of draft gurus kind of, you know, dwelling on his size or just saying it's not going to translate all that. I don't know. All I know is when you've got a guy that's that freaky athletic, that quick, and that shifty, you can do something with that. So I was excited to see him get drafted, even as a Boise State guy. I know CSU fans, you hate Boise State naturally. But we got to rep the Mountain West when we can. Word. Uh, let's move on. Let, let's talk about Warren Jackson, because I think that's what, you know, is, is on most people's minds right now. And obviously, you know, the big debate is going to come back to should he have played or not? And, and did choosing to sit out of the condensed season ultimately cost him from getting drafted? Now, I don't know if you can say for sure that it outright, you know, costed him getting drafted. But I mean... Like I kind of implied earlier, he had some pretty substantial draft buzz coming into the season. It seems to me like it's at least fair to say not playing hurt his draft stock. Now, again, like I I can't definitively say that is the reason he didn't get drafted. His his pro day numbers were not great. He didn't test as well he was hoping to. And and again, that's not even me taking shots. He told me that directly on his pod on the Rams pod last week. You know, he's like, I wish I would have tested a little bit better. Ran like a four seven five forty. That's that's not phenomenal. But when you watch him on film, it's clear that you know, like running speed, it's not an issue for him. So I'm just not that worried about it. Um, as far as you know, opting out, it's it, it's tough to blame him because it was such a freaking shit show. I mean, we had no idea if the season was actually going to play or not. And and beyond that, like the entire Mountain West was a mess. With we're going to play and then we're not going to play. And then you had the, you know, Mountain West players saying it's not safe. And then the Mountain West United, all of that stuff. That was a, you know, a circus in itself. And that's not even getting into everything that they had going on with the program and the investigation into the coaching staff and potential abuse. And there was just so much crap going on. And it's tough to blame a guy like Warren who's looking at the situation and saying, I'm the preseason offensive player of the year. I'm coming off of a phenomenal season in which I clearly demonstrated that I'm good enough to play at the NFL. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's best to just focus on the draft. I don't have to worry about class and school and all that. Um, And actually, in retrospect, he kind of told me that he missed the routine of school. But, you know, I I just don't think you can blame a guy when you look at everything that was, was going on around him and say, you know, he made the wrong decision. Because it was just so weird and and there might be even more to it beyond that that we don't even know about. I mean, Kim Jackson on Twitter, she kind of alluded to that, that there was, you know, maybe even more to it, the story that hasn't necessarily been told yet. I mean, I, I would love to hear that, you know, if, whether that's her or Warren, come on the podcast, come and talk about it. But again, these, these decisions are all unique. They're all individual. And, and ultimately, 
you know, I, I think it could work out for him. He landed in a good spot with the Broncos. It, it sucks he didn't get drafted because there's there's some prestige that comes with being an NFL draft pick over an undrafted free agent. The benefit is obviously you get to pick where you land. And I, and I do think that there are receivers that got drafted over him that are less talented and that will be less productive at the next level. But it is what it is, you know, like I said, kind of before relationships with the coaches, front office, scheme, all of that type of stuff matters. And as far as the Broncos, I mean, it's a it's an organization that historically tends to value undrafted free agents and will give them an opportunity to, to showcase themselves to compete and ultimately, you know, win a job if they are the right guy. Some of my favorite Broncos of all time were undrafted free agents. Wide receiver Rod Smith, you know, being the, the, the number one, he was my childhood hero. I absolutely love that dude. And he's kind of the perfect example of what you have to do if you want to not only make the team, but then go on to have a, a successful career. And it's just grind. Do the little things. Be a special teams player. Be that guy in practice that goes way too hard. And, you know, based on what I know about Warren, that's kind of his personality anyway. So I, I think he's, you know, in a pretty good position to succeed. It, it might take a little bit. You know, sometimes you it takes a while to break through. I mean, we look at Shaq Barrett. It obviously kind of took him a, a couple of years before he was able to really establish himself. CJ Anderson, another perfect example. And, you know, undrafted free agent out of Cal, you know, kind of started to shine a little bit in preseason. Then he got hurt. Then he came back the following preseason, shined again, you know, worked on the practice squad, eventually got some playing time and, and just made the most of it. You know, Shaq Barrett had to start on the practice squad, work his way onto the field. And when he ultimately did, he made the most of it. You know, Philip Lindsay was a little bit different situation because he kind of broke through right away and obviously ended up being a, a thousand yard rusher and a pro bowler as a rookie. So there, there's a lot of different paths when you're an undrafted free agent, but ultimately I'm excited that he's in Denver, you know, selfishly just because I get to, you know, keep watching him and, and, and rooting for him. And I think there are a lot of CSU fans that, that feel the same way, but ultimately I also just think it's a good, a good landing spot. It's a, it's a franchise that values undrafted free agents. And it's also a, a spot where I think he potentially could make an impact even in, it's a really crowded wide receiver room and there's a lot of guys with talent. There's also a lot of uncertainty, though, and that's what I'm going to kind of get into in a second, why I'm kind of happy that it's the Broncos, even with all their talented wide receivers. Uh, Before I kind of dive into all that and uh, talk about Colin Hill, Adam Prentice, and then finish up with some basketball, though, going to shout out our partners real quick. Illegal Pete's is back, and we are so pumped to have them on board again. As you guys know, the pandemic shut down lots of restaurants, and Illegal Pete's was one of them. They've been back in action for a while now, and we could not be happier to promote them. There's a lot of great things currently happening at all six Illegal Pete's locations. Obviously, we've got one up in Foco. We love it. I mean, Adam Mares literally eats Illegal Pete's at least once a week. Tweet at him, ask him what's the best thing on the menu, and it's probably going to break his brain because he won't be able to do it. But there's a location just blocks from the DNVR bar. Obviously, there's one in Old Town. I love it. Right now they've got Soundcheck promotion, which is an ongoing promotion at all locations that offers a free draft beer or house marg with the purchase of an adult entree when the guest shows a same day ticket to any event. In the past, our Lodo location has crushed it with this promo with customers who come to Pete's before or after a game. 
We're obviously ramping up for the playoffs. If you're coming from Fort Collins, maybe you get a little bit of lunch on your way down to the Ball Arena. It still feels so weird to call it Ball Arena. It'll always be the Pepsi Center to me. If you're in, you know, the Mile High City, you can hit up any of the Denver locations. Lodo reopened in a new location with a bigger indoor and outdoor space. Uh, now on the corner of 16th and Wazee, super close to Ball Arena and Coors Field. Absolutely perfect with the Rockies and Nuggets and Abs all in season right now. Um, they launched Party Marks during the pandemic. That's 32 ounces of house margarita. That's four times the size. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. They have happy hour at all locations from 3 to 6 p.m. every day. $1 off all drafts, $1 off um, house and coin style margaritas, $20 party marks, $1 off chips and queso and large chips and guac, free chips and salsa if you're drinking at the bar. So many reasons to hit up Illegal Pete's. We love them. Uh, queso, and I, I just wanted to mention that they have tremendous queso, not even in the read, that's just free promotion. Shout out Illegal Pete's, one of my favorites. Go hit it up. I also want to shout out one of our oldest partners, Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, you know you know how much we love you guys, but you know, lately you've been letting us down a little bit as far as you know supporting one of our good partners in Strava. That's okay though, we've got an awesome promotion to get it buzzing again. You can save 25% off your first purchase when you use the code DNVR25. Not only do we love what Strava tastes like, I mean, we all pretty much run off of coffee, but it's CBD infused and it helps you with so many ailments, anxiety, stress. It's different for everyone, but check out their reviews. You will be blown away with the people's stories about how Strava has helped them. They deliver straight to your door. You can subscribe if you want. If you do, you're gonna save 20% off every single purchase for life. You heard me for life. Head to StravaCoffee.com today. Try out their delicious CBD-infused coffee. Use the code DNVR25 at checkout. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but being able to get it delivered to me, I'm all for it. Subscribing means you save 20%. You never have to go buy coffee at the store again. I mean, that's the most stressful thing. You wake up in the morning, you realize you're out of coffee. Now I gotta get dressed, look like a human, go over to the store. Screw that, get it delivered right to your door, and you'll always have coffee. You'll have CBD infused coffee, so you'll be feeling buzzed and feeling nice and rejuvenated. Check out StravaCraftCoffee.com. Use DNVR25 at checkout. Finally, I want to give you guys my DraftKings pick of the week. DraftKings, the official sports book of DNVR. You know, we've got plenty of love for them. The NBA playoffs coming up. At this point, you know, Nikola Jokic, he's a lock for the MVP. I mean, if you're not if you're not voting for him, you should have your credentials revoked. Let's be honest, you're not you're not watching. You're just not watching if you if you're not crowning him the MVP. But one of the races I'm really intrigued by is NBA Coach of the Year because I feel like this is one of those where it's really really hard to predict. I mean, you look at what the Utah Jazz are doing, and that's phenomenal. I could see you know Quinn Snyder getting it right now. He's listed at plus one seventy five. Tom Thibodeau at plus 200, also doing a tremendous job. But Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns, I mean, going back to the NBA bubble last summer, was there, other than the Nuggets, of course, I mean, was there a more exciting team? They went 8-0 in the bubble. Just just a really fun, young, up-and-coming team. And Monty Williams with Chris Paul has them rolling. DeAndre Ayton's balling out. Um, Devin Booker is playing as good as he's played in his entire career. They're just a really fun team. It's cool to see Phoenix be relevant again. And because of that, I'm going to sprinkle some money on Monty Williams to be the coach of the year. They're currently in first place in the West. 
just an absolutely unbelievable turnaround over the last year and a half or so. You can get that at minus 177. Really, really good value there because I think it's I think it's going to be Monty's award. He's one of those guys that's really well-liked around the league. That type of stuff matters for the awards. Remember that. It's, it's a little bit of a popularity contest. But beyond that, he actually you know, genuinely does deserve it. Great story for Monty with everything he's been through. Great story for the Suns with their turnaround. Monty Williams, NBA Coach of the Year. That's my DraftKings Pick of the Week. Man, oh man, I am pumped for the NBA playoffs. Uh, but let's let's get back on topic here. I know I had to get through a c- couple of reads. It's a little bit of a mouthful. But let's keep talking about Warren Jackson and his fit with the Denver Broncos. Now, I'll be honest. Initially, when he signed with Denver, I was like, uh, I'm really stoked that I get to watch him up and close still. I'll be really excited to go watch him in training camp. But Denver's invested so much in wide receivers, including, you know, taking Seth Williams out of Auburn in the draft. Is this really a a place where he's going to be able to separate himself? But the more that I look at the build of the roster, and the more that I look at the contract situation with some of these guys, I think at least long term, this is a a place where if Warren's able to, to make that you know, solid initial impression. If he could establish himself, you know, two, three years from now, I could really see a situation where Warren's one of their regular guys in the rotation, much like, you know, Tim Patrick has become for them. The, uh, again, another undrafted free agent out of the University of Utah. The other thing that intrigues me about the Broncos, at least just moving forward, is, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to Cortland Sutton. He's there. Other than, you know, Patrick and Sutton, they don't really have a ton of size, but you know, sudden 6'5", absolute beast. I love the dude. Wide receivers are really expensive, especially top guys, and Cortland's going to want top receiver money. I'm not sure the Broncos are going to be willing to invest in that, especially, especially if they end up, you know, acquiring Aaron Rodgers down the line. Obviously, at some point, you just, you can't pay all these dudes. You can't pay Von Miller, Aaron Rodgers, Cortland Sutton. So you need people like Warren Jackson who can come in on a reasonable contract and still make an impact for you. That's why I just, I really like it. You know, I, I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to, you know, be a, a statistical beast, you know, this year. I don't think he's going to produce a ton this year, just given all the guys that are ahead of him. But I think as long as he makes a good impression, he works on special teams, he maybe cracks the roster at the beginning of the season, or even if he starts on the practice squad, that's okay. Because over the next two or three years, I think this is an opportunity where Warren can really, really develop. Obviously, you know, local fans will get to keep cheering for him. And I just think that red zone option is kind of what Denver needs. I mean, they have Tim Patrick, who was their guy last year. He's a restricted free agent right now. So who knows what, you know, his future holds with the Broncos as well. If they end up losing Patrick and Cortland Sutton, it could be a situation where, you know, kind of going into that 2022 season, Warren could be potentially like the biggest receiver on the roster. So there's just a lot to consider, but I do think that it's a a good spot for him ultimately moving forward. And I think it's a an opportunity where he's going to have an opportunity to potentially, you know, make an impact over the next couple of years. And that's why I'm excited as, as a Broncos fan and a CSU alum, you know, I'm obviously even more excited. We got another Ram suiting up for the, for the old orange and blue. But beyond that, I just, I think it is a good fit. Like taking off my Broncos glasses, taking away 
all of the fandom and just looking at the situation logically, it, it's not a bad landing spot. But yeah, you know, I'll be I'll be intrigued to see how he does as far as you know, training camp. Um, who knows what preseason is going to look like, especially with all of this evolving stuff and COVID and, you know, players not wanting to participate as much. But that, again, you know, if, if veterans don't want to participate, that could be really good for a guy like Warren Jackson this preseason. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm excited to see what number he wears. You know, receivers can rock single digits, so he could potentially be rocking number nine. That would be dope. That was a good change, by the way, by the by the NFL. I always thought it was kind of silly that, you know, they had these rule changes. I get it's for, you know, just organization. And actually, you know, I've heard quarterbacks, I think Tom Brady talked about, it, it helps them when they know, you know, this number is a linebacker, this number is a tight end, this number is a wide receiver. Could get a little bit chaotic out there, but I also think that's a little bit overblown because you wear whatever number you want in youth football. You wear whatever number you want in high school and college football. And it's never an issue there. So why is it going to be an issue? Again, you know, maybe Brady's just throwing a fit to throw a fit. But I think it's dope. I think receivers wearing single digits is awesome. And I hope Jerry Judy, well, I'm torn because I have a Jerry Judy jersey already, but I do kind of hope he goes back to number four. All right. I got off track there for a second. Um, Along with Warren Jackson, fullback Adam Prentice is also signing with the Broncos. You know, in the, in the modern game, there, there really just isn't much of a role for a fullback, but it is kind of something that Denver has lacked over the last couple of years. And Adam, he's a beast of a human. I mean, that dude has biceps like tree trunks. He's also just a really hard worker, really, really smart. One of those dudes that wins over coaches immediately. And because of that, it, it really would not shock me if he somehow worked his way onto the roster. Again, he's going to have to be one of those grinders. He's going to have to be a special teams player. He's going to have to make tackles. He's going to have to block. He's going to have to do the little things. He's willing to do that. I mean, if anybody's willing to do that, it's Adam. He knows he has plenty of options beyond, you know, football. He's a a brilliant dude, really, really involved off the field. Some of those guys, though, are the the best athletes. It's funny how it works. They're, They're so smart, so polite, so kind off the field, and then you just get them on the gridiron, and they flip that switch, and it's like, whew, Get out the way when the train's coming through the tracks. And that is definitely Adam Prentice. So happy for him. Happy to see him back, you know, in in Colorado after briefly spending some time in South Carolina, wrapped up his career there under Mike Bobo with Colin Hill. But I don't think there's any ill will for him or Colin Hill. And speaking of Colin Hill, my guy getting a look with the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't want to overreact because, you know, a lot of quarterbacks get looks early and, and, you know, again, if you're a starting D1 QB that played multiple years, you could probably at least get invited into a camp somewhere. But don't sleep on that guy. That's all I'm saying. Like, this is a dude that's outperformed all expectations. He's gone through a ton of adversity. Health is a serious concern. Three ACL injuries in five years is... It's concerning. <laughs> really concerning. But it's also, I mean, this is a guy that even in spite of it, went on and and landed a starting role in the SEC. He turned all kinds of heads at the Manning Passing Academy. I think he could be a really solid backup for Joe Burrow when it's all said and done. I mean, he's basically just another coach on the field. You know, one of those dudes that's brilliant. He's a great team guy, great character. 
isn't that exactly what you want in a backup quarterback? You know, somebody that's not trying to steal the spotlight, somebody that's not going to get all pissy because it's not them. You can make a really nice living just being a backup quarterback for 10 years. Cash those paychecks. Don't take the beating. It's like it's like being a bullpen catcher in baseball or something. That's that's my dream job. I want to be a bullpen catcher. I want to sit there. You catch like, I don't know, you warm up three or four pitchers a day. You mostly just sit back and, and shoot the breeze with all the relief pitchers in the bullpen. You call it a day. If you win a World Series, you still get a ring. You still get to call yourself a champion. You still get to call yourself a professional athlete. And you don't have to work as hard as any of them. It's the dream scenario. Now, obviously, being a backup quarterback, a little more work than being a bullpen catcher. You got to be ready to go at any time. And when the starting quarterback goes down and all of a sudden you get thrust into a game, that can be a really scary reality. And then all of a sudden, your your great cushy gig becomes a, a living hell. But I mean, you look at a guy like Josh McCown. I mean, he basically has made a living out of just being a, a backup fill-in type quarterback. And there, there's a place in the league for guys that throw quality balls that are good teammates and that fundamentally understand what you're trying to do. He's one of those guys. And because of that, I'm not going to count him out. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not going to let, you know, emotional attachment or anything that cloud my logic. I'm not saying he's going to go on and be a starting quarterback or anything like that. I learned my lesson with Garrett Grayson when it comes to that. But could he carve out a role in the NFL? Could he make the team? Absolutely. Absolutely. So congrats to Colin. Ram Nation is rooting for you. Just one of those dudes that it's going to always... For the rest of my life, it'll irk me, the, the what if. What if he had just stayed healthy? Even, like, just take, one, just take one of the ACL injuries away. Like, sure, like, maybe he gets hurt once, but three times? Like, ugh. Just brutal. And it, every time, it was after it was rolling. I mean, we saw, you know, that, that potential when he came in as a true freshman and you're like, all right, I like what we're seeing here. That performance at Minnesota, you know, really stands out to me. And then in 2019, again, he's rolling, playing some of the best football of his career, completing like 75% of his passes. He's getting Warren involved. He's getting Trey involved. He's getting Dante involved. And then he just goes down on a fluke hit at Arkansas. The whole season goes up in flames with it. They kind of recovered a little bit with Patrick down the stretch, but I don't know. Just what if it stinks, it stinks. But I'm trying to stay positive, I'm trying to stay happy for, for Colin, and um, I think most of the Ram fans are too, even though he finished his career elsewhere. And how do you blame a guy for going back home? He's from South Carolina. He's going with his coach, a guy who he was very tight with. I mean, nobody on that team was tighter with Mike Bobo than Colin Hill. Warren Jackson's in that combo too, but those were his guys, through and through. Those were his guys. I think that's about it as far as the football side goes. Uh, before I go here, I am just briefly going to talk about P.J. Bird and the CSU men's basketball situation. If you listen to the podcast, you know, every day, you already know I've hinted at this for a couple of weeks. P.J. Bird was going to transfer. I didn't officially say it. I didn't want to. I don't know. I always go back and forth on this kind of stuff because I just kind of feel like these guys deserve the right to announce it on their own terms. But the cat's out of the bag now. It's out there officially, publicly. And so because of that, you know, we might as well talk about it. Um, it, it stinks for CSU because he was, you know, a quality point guard that was able to come in and, and play some quality minutes. I think 
they don't pick up one of those wins at Wyoming last year if it wasn't for P.J. Bird coming in for Isaiah Stevens and playing really well after Stevens fouled out. You know, you wish you wish P.J. well, but I don't think the sky is falling, that's for sure. I mean, if he's the only guy that you're losing moving forward, you are in really good shape. I mean, you just you have great depth at guard already, and you have more talent coming in with Baylor have the, the transfer from Loyola and then the you know two Jalen's that they're that they signed. So just it's not it's not that big of a deal. Like I like PJ Bird a lot. I think he's a guy that's been through a lot. I think he was a good piece of the team of the last two years. I think he played some really quality minutes for CSU this year. But I think he's a piece that you can afford to lose and still, you know, expect to accomplish everything that you were wanting to accomplish. So yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at with it. That's pretty much all I have to say on the situation. Again, not trying to throw shade at PJ. I wish him well. He came in and did well in his role. I think he was a good teammate during his time. You know, you don't know why he's transferring. Maybe he just wants to play more. Maybe he wants to go closer to home. There's a whole bunch of reasons. Maybe it's just not a great fit. Uh, But, you know, ultimately, I still think the future is very, very bright for this program. And uh, we'll obviously, you know, continue to talk about that in the coming weeks as they fill out their coaching staff. (laughs) Still cracks me up that Talvin Hester really did that. He was here for nine days, took the job, and then dipped for Texas Tech. It's just, I don't know. When I I see these people like John Rothstein and, and Fran Fischella just kind of basically going to bat for coaches and being like, boo-hoo, it's so hard to build a team in the modern era. Like, there's no loyalty from players. And again, I get that. Like, to an extent, they're they're right. But also, I mean, you look at a situation like this and so many of these coaches, their word means jack shit. It means absolutely nothing. So how are you going to sit there and throw a tantrum when, you know, players exercise that same right to do what's best for their own future? It just feels hypocritical. But again, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of college sports that are hypocritical just in nature. I mean, the whole amateurism process is flawed and that's a that's a whole ordeal. But we wish PJ well. Uh, Long story short, I I, I'm not an anti transfer guy. I do think it is hard and I think it's going to be harder to it to establish long term success. But again, I think that's why prioritizing recruiting the right type of players is paramount talent matters character attitude commitment all of that stuff matters just as much in my book and, I, and, I'm, and i'm not saying pj lacks in, in any of that or anything like that i'm just saying when you look at this roster and you look at all these guys and and what they've built so far and why they've stuck around it's it's easy to see that they've been able to identify not only talented guys but the right guys and that matters a lot all right, that's all I've got for today. Uh, thank you to everybody that listened and tuned in to our draft coverage. It was insane. It was a really long weekend, but it was an absolute blast. And, you know, I, I got some really nice responses from people on Twitter just, you know, encouraging me, being like, hey, it's really great to see you being a part of other stuff. And that means the world to me. It really does. I always, I just always, you know, want to keep that perspective without without people like you guys, without the people that support my content. None of this really matters all that much. None of my dreams would be able to come true. So shout out to all you guys. You are the real MVP, as Katie would say. We'll be back with more content throughout the week. Peace.
Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want